Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. A review of Norwegian Getaway today. It was a five-night cruise out of Miami over to the Western Caribbean. Chris will be joining us here in just a little bit. Staff writer Richard Sims on deck with Cruise News and Cruise Radio News. The daily three things you need to know Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday. It can be found at Cruise Radio News or on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right, checking in one final time before his seven-night cruise on Norwegian Getaway this weekend. It's staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. By the time March 1st rolled around, eight cruise lines have dropped mask mandates. Yeah, you know, we sort of heard rumblings about this. And when the CDC lowered the, the, the health travel advisory warning, it sort of all seemed like it was heading in this direction. And it makes sense as this is the direction that a lot of the country is heading in as well. But so the lines that sort of very recently dropped the mask mandate are Carnival Cruise Line, Holland America Line, Norwegian Cruise Line, Oceana Cruises, Princess Cruises, Regent Seven Seas, and Seaboard. Now, if you're looking at that list, you'll notice that they they sort of all fall into one of two categories. It's either Carnival Corporation ships or Norwegian Cruise Line holding ships. As far as the others, um, there, you know, most of them have dropped it at this point. Virgin Voyages um, has dropped theirs, but the really smart thing to do here is to make sure that you're checking your cruise line's website and keeping on top of not only masks but testing and any other protocols because they can change on a dime. You know, they could come out tomorrow and say, "Oh, I know that we said no masks, but now we're going to make you wear masks and walk backwards on the Lido deck." You know, mm-hmm. you just you just don't know. So it's a really good idea to stay on top of that. That's certainly something we've learned in the last year or two. The other thing I would say is do not book a cruise right now based on mandates. For example, if your whole, you know, if, if your whole thing is I do not want to cruise if I have to wear a mask, I wouldn't necessarily book a cruise unless it's for the next week or two, because three months from now another variant might come up and we might completely wind up having to wear masks again. So, you know, make sure that you know 
what's going to be happening, what might be happening, and what the cancellation policies are so that if three months from now you decide you do want to cancel, you know whether you're going to lose your shirt or not. Also a good reason to pick up a travel insurance policy, like a third-party policy for that whole cancel with any reason thing in case you may want to change your mind if things change. Always. I mean, I was reading just recently about a couple that had just terrible, terrible experience. You know, first they had to cancel their their cruise because the husband had, I believe it was cancer. Then just as he got cleared to cruise, his wife got sick. And because of this second camp, they didn't have cruise insurance and they ended up, you know, losing everything despite the fact that it's just a horrible situation and your heart bleeds for them. But it's a great example that you really, really, really do need to have cruise insurance. You never know when something might happen, even something small. You know, I, a few years back on the Norwegian Gem, I, um, I got pink eye and a quick, pretty easy visit to the onboard clinic to get the drops that you use for pink eye was like $650. And thankfully, you know, my cruise insurance covered it. In the middle of February, Carnival Cruise Line, they announced that three ships would be moving ports. They said more details were to come. And just early this week, we learned where those ships are actually going. Okay, so everybody get a pen and paper because you're right. going to need to write this down. It's very confusing because it's basically a ship shuffle. So say that three times real fast without getting bleeped. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start with the Carnival Elation. Carnival Elation is going to be heading to Jacksonville, Florida, and it'll stay there until sometime in 2024. This is to replace Carnival Ecstasy, which you might recall we told you a couple weeks ago is going to be leaving the fleet later this year. So that's where we start. Elation goes to Jacksonville to replace the Ecstasy. Well, So now we have a hole that needs to be filled. So Carnival Freedom slips into the vacancy that that will leave in Port Canaveral. So it looks as if Carnival Freedom will stay in Port Canaveral through at least spring of 2023. So then, we're not done shuffling yet, then the Carnival Spirit, which is going to finish up the 22 Alaska season, will move to Miami to take Carnival Freedom's place. Got all that? So the way this is going to work is you know carnival right now these sailings will not probably show up on carnival as available for sale and that's because they have to move people from one ship to another like if you were booked on the the freedom you now have to be moved on to the ecstasy and they have to figure out like okay you were in you know uh, they're going to try their best to find a matching comparable stateroom. So, you know, you were in a balcony here, we're going to find you a similar balcony over here. You will not get the information on this until they're finished moving everybody. If you are on one of these ships and you're wondering what's going to happen, hold off for a couple of weeks while they make the shift, then they will send you a notification saying, okay, you're now on this ship and this is the stateroom you're in. And then everybody can call and complain about it, which is what I'm sure will happen. Yeah. Uh, but until then, people won't be able to book these new these new itineraries. They'll all come online, you know, probably two or three weeks from now is what I'm guessing. Uh, and and the same for the IT- people who are already booked but are being moved. If you go online right now, you probably won't be – it'll say like, you know, this, this listing is unavailable. Um, but don't worry, just hang out a couple weeks and then you can figure out where you're going to be. So to recap, elation in Jacksonville until 2024, freedom in Port Canaveral till 24, spirit in Alaska in 23 and 24 and sailing Miami on the Alaska off season. 
Exactly. Okay, very cool. Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, so NCL, Regent, Oceana, they had an earnings up, well, not really an earnings call because there has been no earnings, but a business <laughs> update, we'll call it. So uh, what did old Frank Del Rio say this time? Well, Frank Del Rio was feeling very feisty during the uh, call. Uh, he basically said, I don't need no stinking CDC to tell me how to run a clean cruise line. I know what I'm doing. And, you know, he, he was very right. Uh, from the start, he's been very vocal about the CDC's involvement with the cruise industry. And it's it's very typical of him to be sort of, you know, he can be a little bit of a, a, a bull in a china shop sometimes. He doesn't exactly hold his tongue. He's very forthcoming with his thoughts. So, you know, he sort of talked about the fact that no matter what the CDC protocols have been, um, the cruise lines in general and NCL in particular have always gone above and beyond what that is. And, you know, he did say that at least some some of the new the new rulings and the new guidance that they've all opted into is closer getting us closer to normal uh, you know, he did He did admit that they really thought long and hard about whether or not to opt into it. But I think at the end of the day, they didn't really have a choice. You know, the cruise lines kind of have to opt into this because otherwise they show up gray on the listing. It's just, it's just not going to look good for them. So they made the smart decision. To, to, to opt in and accept these new protocols. He talked about some other stuff, too. Um, he sort of threw some shade at some of the other cruise lines, saying that you see them sort of lowering their rates um, drastically in order to you know, get people on board. And he said that that can be very damaging to a brand's reputation, which means basically don't look for a bargain on NCL right now. You might find something if you're sailing in the next week or two, you know, like the the, the close to sailings, you might find some bargains on as they fill some last minute voids and people bid on upgrades and stuff. But if you're looking to book something six months, eight months down the line, you are not probably going to find a low price. In fact, I've noticed that a lot of the pricing is, is high. That's something that they also talked about on the uh, earnings call that that their pricing is at historic levels so you're going to you're not going to find a great bargain they mentioned that they plan to have all of their fleet sailing by May, and that's an important date because that's basically summer, which is when a lot of families want to take vacation. And that circles back to why Norwegian, uh, with this last bit of protocol news, they announced that they would be allowing those under 12 years old to sail unvaccinated. And that's important to them because it allows more families to travel together. You know, if you're a family wanting to take your summer vacation – if, if if you have, say, a seven-year-old who's unvaccinated and the cruise line is saying, nope, sorry, they can't come on board, well, that's going to screw up your plans for a family vacation. Maybe you'll go somewhere else. Maybe you'll go to Disney World or, you know, wherever. So um, between having all of their ships sailing in May and changing that protocol so that now children under 11 don't have to be vaccinated to sail, it's sort of clearing the way for them to have a very big summer. And speaking of Norwegian cruise ships returning to service, one went back into service on Wednesday. This is the ship that we've been talking about a little bit of late because there's some fascinating stuff coming up with it down the line. So Norwegian Sky resumed service this week. Um, it's the first time that they've gone back into service. They're sailing out of the nice new Norwegian terminal in Miami, doing a year-round program of Bahamas and Caribbean cruises. For its very first post-pandemic sailing, they're doing a five-night cruise to Cozumel and Key West and a quick stop at Great Stirrup K, which is, of course, their private island. Mm -hmm. Um 
You might recall, though, that this is the same ship we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Right now, everything's normal. It's sailing. It'll be that way for most of the year. Then suddenly in December, late December, the ship comes completely off of the site. There are no sailings available. Um, and then it stays you know, out of commission until April and May. There are a handful of sailings in April and May of 2023. And then it goes off the books again. And we still don't have any idea why that is. Like, there's no indication of what exactly is happening with the sky for that long period where there won't be sailings. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, going to be on Norwegian Getaway next week. Maybe one of the crew members will let slip some details about what's going on with the sky. This next story is interesting. Retired cruise ships could help with housing in major cities. Yeah, this is interesting and makes no sense at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. So apparently a firm in Washington, um, one of the employees was, it's an architecture firm, and they were reading about how a record number of ships have been decommissioned in the last year or so. And of course, when you think of that, you, you immediately think of the fact that Carnival Corporation you know, got rid of 20 ships during the uh, shutdown, partially as a money-saving operation. Partially, these were ships that probably would have gotten they would have gotten rid of a couple years down the line. They just moved their timetable up a little bit. Anyway, he started thinking about it and said, "Yeah, no. What if you sort of grounded one of these ships off, you know, onshore in Miami, like just just right offshore, and turned it into affordable housing?" And he started doing plans and he did a survey to ask people would they like to live in this and, you know, and on the surface it sounds sort of like, "Okay, that sounds like it makes sense because we've certainly heard of ships being used to house workers when they when when a ship is rented out by FEMA, things like that. So, you know, it's it's certainly feasible. We've seen ships turned into hotels. But then the more you read about their plan, the more it becomes a little, you know, I don't want to say sketchy, but it certainly becomes questionable. For one thing, uh, if they were going to do this in Miami, they said, uh, Miami is a town where people drive. So they would want to turn the bottom levels of the ship into a parking garage. Then they also said that people wanted light in their, according to the survey, people wanted light in what would be their like bedroom slash living room. And so they would need to make a courtyard uh, in the middle. Now, of course, that's true of many of the Oasis ships. They have like that uh, uh, Central Park area, which is sort of what they're talking about. But those ships are a long way from being decommissioned. There are many, 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 many years away. And so in order to take a ship, like let's say one of the ships that's that's left the Carnival fleet in the last few years, one of the fantasy ships, to take that ship, turn the bottom layers into a parking lot, carve out the center, put in a, uh, you know, a, a garden or whatever, that's going to be a really expensive process. They talked about the fact that they thought they could have about 900 rooms on board each single for a single person. Um, although they did also talk about you know being able to be a little flexible and maybe turn some of these into rooms that could house families. But the 900 single units they were talking about would go for around $1,200 a month. I think 1,250 was what they were talking. And again, that's that's a great price. I mean, I uh, twelve fifty a month to live in Miami, great price. It'd be nice to have more affordable housing, but the whole project just seems very unfeasible. And before you start like lining up to you know say, hey, I'll take one of those apartments for twelve fifty, know that like we said, this was all just sort of talk. It was they did like this little survey of eight hundred and fifty people, which really isn't that many, to see if they would like this, and they drew up some some tentative plans. The other reason it seems a little 
odd is this would have been a great idea to have like two years ago when they were getting rid of 20 ships. But (laughs) now the lines are all, you know, sort of lean, mean fighting machines. So Uh the odds of them just conveniently having a ship you can turn into a hotel, uh, uh, into affordable housing in Miami are a little slim. Listener question here comes from Jim in Littleton, Colorado. Should I auto pay my gratuity or pay cash at the end of my voyage? Auto pay all day. I mean, um, frankly, I'm one of those people who doesn't understand why anyone would want to have any bill at the end of the trip. You know, when when I get off that ship, I want them to slide a little note under my door saying, goodbye, Richard, you owe us nothing. You know, you have your you had your drink package paid for in advance. You had your gratuities paid for in advance. You had your dining paid for in advance. There's just there's just not in my head any reason. Now, the one thing that I will say is. I'm a big believer in going above and beyond when it comes to tipping. So, you know, you will, you know, you, you, you're paying the gratuity that goes to, as we all know, goes to like, you know, your room steward and the people who work behind the scenes and things like that. But over the course of the week, anytime I get service that's above and beyond, which is most of it, um, I tip extra. I, I, I find a bartender and befriend him very early in the week and treat him well. Um, I, you know, I, I almost always tip whether I'm eating in the main dining room or uh, a specialty restaurant. I generally give some kind of tip there. And, of course, that's not necessary because, you know, that is covered by the gratuities that you pay. But I don't know. I just feel like these people work so hard to give me a great vacation. I'm going to I'm going to do the same for them. I'm going to treat them well. I know how hard they work. Well, Richard, you have a great cruise, man, on Norwegian Getaway. I know you're sailing, what, this weekend, right? This weekend. All this right. weekend. Cannot wait. First time in the Haven. Well, it should be fun. Look forward to hearing about it. All right, staff writer Richard Sims, as always, thanks, my friend, and enjoy your cruise next week. Thank you so much. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah! Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Breaking news as it happens. Online and on demand at CruiseRadio.net. So Chris and his wife just returned from a five-night cruise on Norwegian Getaway out of Port Miami, went over to the Western Caribbean, and they had a haven experience, the very first ever at that. And Chris joins us on the line. How you doing, bud? I'm good, Doug. How are you? Good, man. I'm excited to get this review. Uh, always love to talk about the Haven area because it's something I know nothing about. So I live through you with this. So before we get to the ship itself, we're going to take a step back. Give us a pre-cruise thoughts. You're up in Minnesota. What made you want to take this five-nighter? Maybe the weather might come into play here. Uh, and also... Why'd you choose the Haven? Yeah, well, looking out my window right now, all I see is white. Okay, so. yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> and it's not white sand. It's right. It's the, the other stuff. Um, 
Yeah, we had a bunch of future cruise credits from being shut down forever. And it was a five night sailing and I was kind of booked at last minute, maybe a month, six weeks in advance, something like that. And the price point was actually somewhere where we could swing it. I had never really been able to afford it before. Mm -hmm. um, I've always wanted to do it. So um, it worked out well. Being a five-nighter is a little easier for the wife and I to get away by ourselves too. So we ended up booking it. So with this then, there was no bid to upgrade or anything. You just went directly in and booked the Haven category. Yep, straight away. Okay. Um, there was some offers to after I booked it, like move up to an even bigger suite. I'm like, I don't, I don't. Right. Think so. <laughs> I think I'm good, but yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So you make your way down to Port Miami. Did you do any pre-cruise time down there? No, we landed at like 11 at night and okay. got up the next morning and went for a little walk and then over to the ship. Now, when it comes to embarkation for Norwegian Getaway, you had to do things a little bit different because when you sailed, Norwegian was actually testing you at the pier. But as of March 1st, now they can test you at the pier or you can bring your own test to the pier and kind of skip their process. But how was the testing process before you embarked Getaway? I was very, very impressed, actually. We walked right in there, took a test that took 15, 20 minutes, and then we were off. I actually was on the edge this summer, and that was not the case. It was a lot longer, but they probably have that figured out by now, yeah. too. But it took 30 minutes, and then after you get your negative results, hopefully, <laughs> you go in, and um, they take you to like a little lounge area, and you just kind of sit for five minutes, and then somebody comes and whisks you away. When you uh, say they whisk you away, are you going through your own private entrance on the ship, having a haven room? Yep. Or, okay. yep. Yeah, they take you through like the back. Somebody escorts you to your muster station so you don't have to look for it yourself, I guess. And then they scan your card and then they walk you up to the Haven area. And there's some people with hors d'oeuvres and drinks and stuff. And you can kind of hang out and meet your butler or your concierge there or just go walk around the ship or do whatever you want. Okay, so you just get on the ship. So I'm just curious. At this point, you're standing on the ship. You just met your butler. Are you impressed with the Haven purchase so far? So far, yeah. You know, one of my least favorite parts about cruising is standing in line and we didn't have to do any of that <laughs> with being in the Haven. So yeah, and the hors d'oeuvres were nice touch and so far so good. Nice. For sure. All right. So you get to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book in the Haven and what were your thoughts of it throughout the five days? It was an aft facing penthouse balcony. Nice. And I have to say, Doug, it was the most amazing room I've ever been in. We were in a suite at the Hyatt Regency the night before and it, it put that to shame. Um, <laughs> you walk in and it's got a bathroom and a living room and then a separate bedroom with a real king bed in it, not one that's been pushed together. And then you go into the second bathroom and the second bathroom overlooks the ocean. So like if you're in the bathtub or the shower, you actually have a window overlooking the sea and like two sinks in there and everything. And then the balcony itself was huge. It was big enough for a table and four chairs. So we had breakfast up there every morning. Butler will bring you like white tablecloth breakfast mimosas and padded loungers out there it was just it was it was something else nice. <laughs> i can't i can't speak to it enough i guess for how great it was as far as storage and enough plugs and everything all that taken care of the storage was like it was almost too much i can remember where i was putting everything but uh, the plugs were kind of lacking mm -hmm. there was there was like one in the bedroom and one in the living room and i think there was one in the bathroom too so yeah if you you know, have a lot of electronics, that might be a, a bit of an issue, I guess. 
But, I mean, you could forego that and just bring like a little uh, power strip thing because yeah, you're having the absolutely. butler and the breakfast on the balcony and all that, right? Absolutely. The yeah. one the one small downside of the room, too, um, is most of the Haven rooms are actually all by each other around mm-hmm. the Haven courtyard. Whereas this one, because it's on the aft of the ship, is on the actually the opposite side. So there's like six of them, I think, total that aren't actually in the Haven. You just have access to it. Like physically not in the Haven. They, they're still considered mm-hmm. Haven suites. But I still wouldn't trade the location for you know, the rest of the benefits that come with that room. So, so that means that with the with your stateroom, you actually had to walk through the ship to get to the Haven area for the courtyard and the dining room and all that? Correct. Okay. Yep. yep. All right. Very cool. Well, let's talk about dining on this five-night cruise. Did you dine mostly in the Haven or did you step outside at all? Uh, well, we did step outside some. The first lunch, they have the Haven restaurants actually closed. So we went to, it was called American Diner or something like that, where like you can go for free that first lunch day. Mm-hmm. That was okay. I don't think I would, I might not be too happy if I actually had to pay for it. Uh, we also, uh, we went to Shanghai's, which is like their free Asian place for dinner. That was really good. And then Ocean's, which was, you know, just fast and convenient food. We also did, um, you know, the buffet a couple times. The buffet, I thought might've been lacking a little bit on the variety in there. And then we did Cagney's on Valentine's Day. And that was that was really nice. This ship has a bunch of the restaurants are on, they call it the waterfront. Mm-hmm. So we were able to sit out there and watch the sunset. And the waiters did the whole song and dance things with cakes. And it was, nice. it was, it was something else. But um, the Haven restaurant itself really was the star of the show. I mean, tenderloin and lobster every dinner. I think, you know, the first, the first night, my wife and I went through about five lobster tails and four wow. tenderloins. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody that does it, make sure you don't skip lunch because their lunch menu is also top notch really beats pizza at the buffet that's for sure while we're talking about i guess the haven area and all uh, how is it uh, like as far as the crowds and everything by the haven courtyard pool um obviously it's a lot less crowded than the rest of the ship but is there a pretty nice balance there with the chairs and the pool and the hot tubs whatever's up there yeah that wasn't an issue i will say the Haven right now is always going to be sold out, or always is anyway, you mm-hmm. know, because people will upgrade on it. So it's going to be the same amount of busy as it normally would be in normal times, where the ship itself was only half full. So the actual bar area and stuff in the Haven kind of almost felt more crowded than the other bars around the ship. Yeah. So normally that would it would feel better in there, but um, the rest of the ship is only half full, so there wasn't much really for crowds. It never felt like too cramped or anything. I don't want to. Mm you know, talk poorly on it because that bar was amazing there, in yeah. there too. The, I think they kind of put the best bartenders on the ship in that Haven bar. With so it was the, great. Yeah, with the Haven area, are you getting, like when you're going into their dining room, are you getting the same servers every meal or is it kind of whenever you decide to show up kind of depends on what server you get? Yeah, just whenever you show up. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And uh, I mean, they were, most of them know you though, especially the hostess, you know, Mr. Chris, mm-hmm. welcome back. She was really great. Also in there, there's a concierge that mm-hmm. just takes care of whatever you need done as far as shows. He walks you down to the show so you get a seat, which might be an issue, you know, if the ship was full. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Let's talk about entertainment on this five-night cruise. What were your thoughts of it? Um, I like the dueling pianos, and there's a, there's a rock show every night in Sid Norman's. They do like a, it's kind of a theme that they have where you kind of feel like you're in a bar, but it's actually a show. 
that filled up every single night, even with it being half full. So if that's something people are into, make sure you get get in there early. Mm-hmm. As far as like the main theater shows, I'm not big on those. I know you're not really either, but my wife my wife liked them. They had, you know, mm-hmm. singers and dancers, you know, like every other cruise ship. But I didn't actually see any of it myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be at the bar if you need me. Exactly. I'll be at the casino or yeah. up in the Haven bar sampling whatever Christian was the bartender's name can come up with today. <laughs> what? How was the casino on board? It was nice. It's spread out. There's like an atrium kind of thing, like a mini atrium in the middle of it and kind of discombobulated. Like the casino bars like back a little ways and then there's another way back that has some more tables and stuff. But it was fun. The, the dealers and everything were really friendly, and I had a good time in there, even though I didn't come out ahead. <laughs> right. Is that the um, – is it like the Skyline Bar or something in the NCL casinos there? It's got yeah, like the it could be. Visuals I can't remember the, what it actually was. Yeah, but, but it's kind of tucked away in the back, though. It's not on the main drag or anything. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Okay. Very cool. How about sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Did you have any clue what capacity or what occupancy your ship was at? They said about half. Okay. So, yeah, it really wasn't an issue ever as far as, you know, lounge chairs, even at the main pool. We kind of hung out more either in the Haven or at Spice H2O, which is at the very aft of the ship for adults only back there. And they were all always a chair. Yeah. Do they enforce that? Or I guess Norwegian really. Well, do they have kids like under 12 on your sailing? Yeah, you have to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So... I guess over five there was, but there was very few, okay. a lot less than you know normal times, I would I would say. Yeah. I've been noticing that on a lot of sailings lately. A couple of weeks ago when I did Carnival Liberty, a quick little four-nighter, I think the uh, cruise director said there were, I think, 17 people under the age of 18 on board, wow. which is crazy because Carnival is like the family cruise line. Right. So, I don't know if there is. There, was there kids clubs open? Because it wasn't on Norwegian, I noticed. Yeah, it was open. Um, the older kids clubs, not the younger ones. Like okay. The teens club, I guess, was open. But even those people had it on Easy Street because no one was ever showing up because everyone was like, you know, just kind of hanging out with their own little clique they met on board. It was kind of crazy. So on this sailing, uh, it was five nights out of Miami. You had a couple of ports of call there and a couple of sea days. What ports of call did you hit? And give us a highlight from each port. The first one we went to was their private island in Belize. Harvest Care? No, is that the other one? Yeah, the Har- it's Harvest, the um, western one, yeah. Yeah, so we went there. I had, I did a, a Monkey River cruise, it's called. Uh-huh. So they take you kind of into the rainforest, and you see a whole bunch of birds, and we saw some big snakes and tarantulas and, and monkeys jumping around in the top of the trees. It was really kind of cool. I've never been to that climate before, like tropical rainforest area. And my wife, she just kind of hung out by the pool there and enjoyed herself. As far as uh, Cozumel goes, we didn't really, we walked around a little bit. We mm-hmm. we loved the ship so much, we didn't really want to take much more time off right. of it. So, um, yeah, we just kind of went for a walk is all we did in Cozumel. So. In Cozumel, was it pretty much business as usual? Or like, did you have to wear a mask if you were walking around outside and all that? Belize, they were actually stricter with the masks, mm-hmm. surprisingly. In Cozumel, we didn't. I can't remember if there was a sign or something that said that you would have to, mm-hmm. but they didn't really seem. And it was business as usual as far as everything seemed to be open, whereas I know it was in Nassau and everything was like shut down there. But yeah. Cozumel seemed just like it did two years ago or whatever. 
when you were in Harvest Key, like how good of a job did they do developing that area? Like if you didn't do the the monkey cruise, could you see yourself content hanging around the port area all day? Yeah, if you like pools and beaches, I think. Mm -hmm. Other than that, there's probably not a whole heck of a lot to do. There's some shopping and stuff. Like I said, my wife went to the pool and she was content. Sure. Mm -hmm. I thought it was nice. It was nice that they actually dock you compared to... There are other Norwegians, other private island where you have to take a tender boat. That kind of ruins it for me when you have to do that. But yeah. so that's one advantage of it, I guess. But you do have to pay for everything on on the island compared to the other one. So it's kind of a bummer. But the money's going to the Belize people, I guess. So it's for feel a little bit better about spending it. Yeah, is it? Um, I noticed that like uh, past interviews have said you can't use the drink package on the island there or peninsula, whatever the destination will call it for Norwegian. Are the Drink price is pretty fair, though. I got one beer, and it was like, I think it was like five or six bucks. Well, that's so, not yeah, bad for island prices. Yeah. 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 Very cool. And then for Cozumel, you said you just walked around. Were there a lot of other ships in port? Yes. Yes, there were. I think there was a Disney one there, and a Carnival Vista. So there was at least three mm-hmm. total. Very cool. It's, uh, I guess, another reason to get back on the ship quicker at Harvest is because you have that drink package that actually works on board, too, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be buying beers if I get them for free. How far of a walk is that when you're docking at Harvest to get to the pool? Or, like, Have you ever been to Costa Maya before? Yes, but I don't remember. Okay. It, there's that very super long pier, and you're like a 10-minute walk on the pier itself before you get to the actual port area with the pool and everything. Is it a pretty quick walk, or does it take a little time to kind it of takes get... A, it, takes a t- it takes some time. Okay. It's, it's probably 10, maybe even 15 minutes. They do have, you know, for people who can't do it, they will shuttle you. Mm-hmm. But it is a leg. It's still better. It's still better than a tender, but it, I mean, it's a little bit of a walk, that's for sure. So you'll be able to see those peer runners really coming then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> you make your way uh, back to Port Miami after this five-night cruise. How was the debark process being up there in the Haven? So that was probably my biggest gripe with the trip. We kind of sat there and wanted to be the last ones off the ship because our flight was so late. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they're like, okay, get off. And then once we got off, the customs line was probably 45 minutes. I don't know if they wow. didn't have the staffing or, or what. I think it's Fort Lauderdale, they have the the eye recognition thing, and you just mm-hmm. kind of fly through. But Miami, they still have people standing there, and it took, like I said, 45 minutes. I probably should have got a porter to get to the head of the line, but I was stubborn. But yeah, that was probably the only real negative of the trip, I would say. Did you sail out of the new terminal? I think so. Yeah, it yeah. looked new. I don't know if it was for sure, but I, I'm pretty sure it was. It looked new. It boggles my mind, these cruise terminals that are brand new and state-of-the-art. Like last week, we interviewed someone on Virgin Voyages, and the terminal literally just opened the week before her sailing, and they still had the same customs thing you did as well, where they're looking at your card. And Carnival has the eye thing, whatever it's yeah. called, facial recognition at their terminals there. And I think Royal Caribbean has that too at Terminal A as well in Miami. In Miami so it's weird. Yeah. It's weird that the other cruise lines aren't really there yet, or obviously something we don't know about, but it sure does make it easier to snap in that picture and just keep walking. Yeah, you would think if one could do it, I don't know why other ones couldn't, because you would think it'd be a government-controlled thing, but I I don't know. That could be the problem, too, right? Um, Any first-time tips to offer anyone sailing Norwegian getaway? It might take you a bit to um, get used to the ship. The ship itself is really big, and it doesn't really have much of a flow to it, I'd mm-hmm. say. So it might take you a little while. There's a lot of cool little nooks and crannies of it, but um, it's just a weird ship. I don't really know 
how to describe it, but um, maybe do some research and, and figure it out. And if you can't afford it, go for a Haven suite, I guess. <laughs> when you say a weird chip, are you saying there are like dead ends and things like that? Yeah. So like I haven't been on too many mega ships, but most of the ships I've been on, you know, there's a atrium and everything kind of just flows from there. And this ship has like a main atrium and then behind it, there's kind of like another little mini atrium. And then there's some places like there's that waterfront area on one side and then you'll be walking along and there's just a bar you didn't know about. It's just, it's really hard to describe. The flow was just weird and it took me a while to get used to, whereas normally you do a couple laps and you kind of just know where everything is. Yeah, I get you with that one. Those classes ships and they first came out, which I think was um, that ship or the ship before that kind of weird because you have like that little baby atrium with the chandelier kind of around the casino Mm -hmm. and the italian restaurant but then you keep walking and you find an even bigger atrium yeah (laughs) with more stuff around it but did you uh, dine at the local or oshihans whatever it's called on getaway yeah i just grabbed lunch Mm -hmm. and um, some wings there another thing i should mention too that it's kind of cool and quirky is they have an ice bar okay on board i think you pay twenty dollars or something to go in there and i mean it it's just you're in there for 15 minutes, but they give you, a, you know, a big parkas and everything and you drink out of ice glasses, like glasses that they literally form out of ice. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really, it was kind of, kind of neat nice. in there. And then Winter Olympics were actually on during it. So that made it even more of a cool experience. Yeah, so I, sure. I would recommend checking that out if, if you don't mind dropping the extra 20 bucks to do something quirky like that. When it came to booking your suite up in the Haven area, have you ever priced some prior to the, like during normal cruise times? Like, was it that much reduced than it was, say, in 2019 or earlier? I think it was cheaper. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I've looked before and I've looked on other sailings that I'm kind of planning for future, and it did seem, it did seem cheaper. And I, I don't know if that was because it was, it was the pandemic or I'm kind of guessing it's because it was after final payment. So mm-hmm. yeah, true too. they had, they had those, they have those suites and they wanted to move them. Did you feel pretty safe on NCL? Yeah, extremely. I mean, having that pre-cruise testing, I know it's not the B end, end all, but they were literally tested right before you got on the ship. So, I mean, as far as safety goes, what else could you really want? Yeah. You know? Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? Definitely, definitely our room, our stateroom and having those morning breakfasts, you know, delivered to us. And, you know, another nice thing about the Haven is you can have steak and eggs. They have like an expanded uh, room service menu. It's not just the normal one. Mm-hmm. Me and my wife being able to sit out there in the morning for an hour or two and just kind of watch the wake is was really special. Are those cabins back there, uh, the aft ones, is it actually a private cabin? Because some cruise ships are, are kind of tiered like a birthday cake and some are straight down but you can kind of see below or above you did you feel like pretty um i guess secluded back there yeah you couldn't see on there unless you had a selfie i know even if even if i think on spice h2o those up above us if you you couldn't really i mean you would have to you know have someone hold your ankles and go over the side (laughs) to see down there i felt felt it completely secluded you could i mean there, there's a room next to us so we're like on like the corner that's why it was a bigger mm-hmm. balcony so the room next to us i mean it had a divider i guess if somebody wanted to peek through the crack they could but yeah. other than that it was fine spice h2o pretty cool vibe back there and what just like music and pools and all that yeah it's it's pretty quiet during the day but they have like dance parties and stuff there at night and i think if it was a 
more full sailing, it might be even better. Mm-hmm. The weather wasn't great for like pool stuff. Like it never got really above 70 mm-hmm. and the, there was some wind. So that kind of hampered that a little bit. And uh, last question here for you. Did you purchase the Wi-Fi plan? Yeah. Well, they gave us 50 it, minutes or something like that. Was it and adequate? It, no, no. It, wasn't, it wasn't very good. I couldn't get my, I couldn't even get the app they give you to really work. Oh boy. Um, my wife was able to get some emails and so you might be in trouble if you're going to be on it and right. uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to do your show. Yeah, for sure. No, I hear you there. All right. Well, in closing here, your final thoughts of Norwegian Getaway. It's a nice enough ship. I don't know if I would seek it out if it wasn't for the Haven or um, or an itinerary that I really liked. But um, the staff was great and I really can't speak enough of the Haven. So. Very good. We've been talking with Chris about his five-night cruise on Norwegian Getaway up in the Haven at Western Caribbean Cruise out of Port Miami. Chris, thanks for the review, my friend, and you have a great one. Thanks, Doug. We'll talk to you later. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.